welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you for joining us each week as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. Hey, friends. How goes it? it, it, it mm. Oh, <laughs> I thought we were going with the positive energy there. Okay, so clarification. I woke up to a text message telling me one of my childhood heroes has died today. Ah, uh, yes. So... On top of everything else going on, I've not been mourning, but like also a part of my childhood died today. You could call that mourning. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It was a big part of your childhood. So for clarification, I was a huge Mythbusters fan, super nerded out. It was like a family event Wednesdays at nine on Discovery Channel. (laughs) We would sit down and watch the myths and try to bust them before before they could (laughs) using what my mom was currently teaching me in chemistry or physics we were giant nerds and it was the best that's amazing and then i carried on that tradition in college with my cousin where we would skype each other and also watch it at the same time that's fantastic so hi does that explain me at all (laughs) (laughs) well for those who aren't in the know what what is the name of the gentleman who passed away yeah grant imahara he was one of the hosts on mythbusters what was their little group called I can't remember, but they were because like Adam and Jamie were the Mythbusters, There's, and then they, what were they, they were like the OG, and then they were like the subset group. They never really had like their own. They were still Mythbusters, okay. but they worked on separate projects separately from like Adam and Jamie. Right. And every now and then, all five of them would come together for like one big, big project. project. Yeah. Anyway, that's what's going on in the ever exciting life of Rebecca. Well, um, do you want to do you want to do a pick me up and thank some patrons? Yes. Would that make I, you happy? I do want to thank some patrons because <laughs> we had five patrons join us the month of June. That's what? amazing. You guys. We love y'all. We don't deserve you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Especially with everything going on. We are not worthy. Yes. We're Rebecca, you want to kick us off? Yes. First off, I would like to thank Hillary. Thank hey. you so much. We know her. <laughs> That's my friend. That's my friend. <laughs> and then next, we want to thank Rachel. Thank you, for Rachel. joining our coven on Patreon. You're going to be our friend now, too. <laughs> <laughs> A big thank you to Salvador. You're magnificent. Thank you so much. Up next, I would like to thank Indigo. Thank you so much for joining the crazy train. Oh, Indigo. Indigo. I, I like, like that. that. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um and next we'll thank jessica sorry jessica i don't know if we can um in unison thank you so fluidly again but thank you so much thank you jessica Ooh, i like that (laughs) so thank you so much to all of our lovely new patrons for the month of june if you would like to join us you can find us at patreon.com forward slash the ladies of strange we have levels anywhere from one dollar a month to 20 yes and but those are just the levels. Right. If, if you want to, for whatever reason, you can set higher than 20 or at weird increments. We once had someone p- pledge $6.66. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, uh, you guys all know by now, but the different levels unlock different perks and bonuses to mm-hmm. being. So go check it out. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. And we'd love to have you there for even more shenanigans that we post over there on a regular basis. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff that gets cut out of the show that I can't bring myself to delete permanently. So they go to our lovely patrons. (laughs) So you pay money for the cutting room floor. You're welcome. Yep. That's an accurate (laughs) way to to describe that. (laughs) But it's fun. So you know what else is going to be funny? Rebecca's topic, right? Sure. You think? 
I'm I'm putting it out there. Does Rebecca usually just leave you rolling on the floor? I, I mean, a little bit. Hey, girl. Sometimes I think my episodes are funny. I, I think, think you're funny. They are very well researched. Some of them get under my skin just a skosh, but you know, I still love you, so it's okay. Yay. <laughs> well, guess what? What? We haven't had one of these in a while. <gasps> Is this a random fact? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Two in a row. There's a theme. Ooh. Divination. Ooh. <gasps> Girl, have you been in my phone? No. I just put that down on my list of things to talk about. Get oh, out oh. of my brain. We got to talk to more than just us. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find us at. <laughs> all right. But first up, we have the very familiar to all of us, the pendulum. Pendulum. This pendulums. is. So the same pendulums that you can use for dowsing can also be used for divination. We cover these in ghost hunting for dummies, and we will briefly cover these here since we've kind of covered them before. And we covered them on the bonus episode that released. Yes. But for those of you who, like me, have the, you know, memory span of a hamster, let's review it really quickly. <laughs> so when you choose a pendulum, you choose one you're bond, you bond with, basically one that calls to you, one you find extra pretty, just like follow your gut when you're choosing a pendulum. There can be differences between like getting a quartz pendulum or something that's metal or silver, but it's all up to the user. Um, that's kind of like a common theme for these divination tools. Like I'm giving a very basic beginner 101 because these are all like practices that you right. have to do to really understand the craft. And for each person, even though there's some like general guidelines, as you build your craft, you learn what works and doesn't work for you. But one important thing, when you first get your pendulum, please cleanse it. Please. That's just a general rule of all like metaphysical things. Please cleanse it before first use. Yes. But Why? <laughs> For the same reason you wash your shirts when you get them from the clothing store before wearing them. Because there's residual energy and or BO. Okay, yeah. I totally do wash that. my clothes before wearing them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Moving on quickly. So to use the pendulum, you hold the pendulum by the chain in one hand with the tip barely touching the palm of the other. doesn't matter which hand's holding which. It's whatever's comfortable for you. You start by setting your be- baseline of yes and no cl- questions. I like to use test questions after setting the baseline. So after asking the pendulum, show me yes, and it shows me which way it's going to swing for yes, and show me no, and it shows me a different direction so it's going to swing for no. I like to answer, ask questions like, is my hair pink? Am I standing in my apartment? Right. Is my cat judging me for swinging a rock on the string? Yes. Rapidly swings. Yes. And then once, <laughs> and then once <laughs> you set your baseline, you're ready to go. So baselines can change between users, pendulums, and for some, they don't change. So like d- between a specific person and, and a specific pendulum, it can swing the same way every time. Or depending on the person, pendulum, mood, whatever, it can swing different ways right. for yes and no each time. Yeah, so you always want to establish your baseline with it. Yes. Once the baseline is set, you can start asking questions. They can be simple, such as, would it be in my best interest to go to dinner with this person? And once you get more comfortable, you can start asking deeper questions, tapping into your higher self for answers. Because I've covered this topic twice now, that's all I'm going to give on this. It's super fun. It's it's an easy way to get into divination mm-hmm. in a way. If you want to kind of like test the water, but tarot cards a little too much for you or other forms pendulums yeah it's a little more direct and easy i feel like it was easier to kind of pick up on see i and picked up on tarot faster than i did pendulum but you guys heard in the bonus episode that pendulum and i were just like 
We were casual friends. Nothing serious. <laughs> no major connection there. It's like the tarot is like your main piece and then like the pendulum's your side piece. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tiffany likes to have plenty of pieces. So up next, we have Cardomancy and Taromancy. Ooh. And Cardomancy. Cardomancy. And Taromancy, Ooh. which is divination with cards or tarot. Okay. So a little bit about tarot. There are 78 cards total in the deck with 22 major arcana cards. So little fun fact, arcana actually means secrets. Ooh. And there are 56 minor arcana broken up into the following suits. First is cups, which also correlates to hearts in the standard 52 card playing deck. It is the water element and is related to emotion. Up next is wands, which correlates to clubs, and it is the fire element. Swords correlates to spades, and it is the air element. And then you have pentacles, which correlates to diamonds. And they are the earth element and kind of represent physical things. Hmm. So your playing card deck, if you're connected to it, you can kind of use... As a tarot. Yeah. But it would just be the, you said minor? The minor. Yeah, just the minor arcana, and it is missing. So pause, back up. I have an explanation. So both playing card decks and tarot decks have an ace through ten with the jack, queen, and king. Tarot has the addition of the knight card and their court cards. These court cards can change between decks. For example, my deck has, instead of page, knight, queen, king, it is daughter, brother, mother, father. Oh. So depending on the artist and the mood of the deck, that can change between decks. Tarot has a long and thorough history. So this is where the TLDR kicks in. Hey, I know that. Yay. (laughs) So in the 1400s, it started as a card game and then just kind of morphed. As the popularity grew, so did its ties to mysticism. These decks contain images seen in most cultures, such as the devil, the queen, the magician, Pamela Coleman-Smith, also known as Pixie, I illustrated the first Rider Waite deck in 1903 for Arthur Edward Waits. And this was the first time that we sort of had like a standardized version for tarot because everything before that was very basic. Here's four sticks. Here's three pentacles. Whereas this one put a lot of imagery to it, which helps with intuitive reading when you oh. read your cards. Was, wasn't there like the people who were more well off? have the fancier cards because they would commission tarot decks Mm -hmm. and then those who couldn't afford it just had the standard like playing card sets so like now i mean (laughs) i I don't know i'm pretty broken i've got a fun set so the rider weight deck was first used exclusively for fortune telling and it was the first time the minor and major were given their detailed meaning so whereas before it was sort of like passed down between you know teacher and student this was the first time they had like an actual guidebook explaining what each card meant which makes reading a little easier just a bit yeah early decks didn't have a whole lot of detail making reading intuitively difficult modern decks not only have the traditional meaning linked to the cards example three of cups often represents a female friendship but each deck is designed with imagery and this imagery can be used to tell someone's fortune or more likely an outcome so for example in my deck the two of swords which is a card that tells you you have a decision to make and you are either refusing to see what that decision should be or you don't see it yet and in my deck it's two swords crossed above an eclipse sun Mm. 
So it's pretty powerful imagery and it's pretty easy to read once you understand what that symbol means. And because it's the swords, it's not an easy decision to make. Right. If it's like a two of cups, it's like, how do I feel about it? (laughs) How does that make you feel? Yeah. So that's my quick and dirty rundown of tarot. Alrighty. Because again, huge history. You can get really, really into it. Did not have time to do it justice, and I wanted right. to, to talk about more than one. Up next with Haru Spicy and Extra Spicy. Oh, Ooh. what is this? <laughs> I'm Haru Spicy. Tiffany is Extra Spicy. No, neither of you are, and this is why. It's not Extra Spicy, because I That's feel like that could be my Taco Bell order. Mm, nope. <laughs> okay, hold the comments, because it keeps getting grosser. Oh. Um, an ancient practice dating back to the Romans, a Haru Specs was a person who was often considered a highly spiritual individual who would, after the sacrifice of the animal, perform divination on the entrails of the animal. This animal was most commonly a sheep. I saw that in what or what show was that? I don't know. Not important. I saw that in a TV show I was watching. Supernatural? No, no, no. Uh, (laughs) No, no, no. no. (laughs) I can't remember. But I remember the fortune teller was like digging around the sheep and I was like, oh my God, this is the worst thing i've ever seen in my entire life i can't look away yeah so now i have a name for it yeah and we're talking Pesta about it spicy hair is spicy hair is spicy and i could be pronouncing that wrong put mm. some hair on your chest because it's so spicy sure um the practice varied over time for example in the form of hepatoscopy which was performed by the greeks and specifically looked at the liver both cultures' practice can be tied back to the Etruscan re- religion, which originated in 7th century before chickens and was eventually absorbed, as a lot of cultures were at the time, into the Roman culture. Question, are there any groups out there that still practice this? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Extra spicy. Yeah. There have been Etruscan carvings shaped like livers found that were believed to be guidelines on how to read the organ. Sort of like a cheat sheet it's this clay piece that's shaped roughly like a liver and then it's divided into sections with different symbols sort of as like a guideline of like how to read it's like the palmistry hands the yeah. exactly exactly so what did they think like after the animal was sacrificed that whoever they were sacrificing it to would like communicate to them through? yes okay that's pretty cool actually um <laughs> i mean it's not the most pleasant thing to think about but it's kind of a cool thought yeah So these diviners were highly trained and were often paid well to use their craft to answer yes and no questions. One source stated that answers would come from the sun god, didn't detail which one, in the entrails. One text called the Barutu, Art of the Diviner, was dated as early as 600 BC and took up 135 clay tablets with 60 lines of cuneiform each. That's a lot of stuff. I don't want to have to study. So think of these like medical textbooks while the clay models of organs were cheat sheets. I'll take the cliff notes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about the cheat sheet. (laughs) So the diviner in training. cheat sheet. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. She's not wrong. Oh boy. So the diviner in training would familiarize themselves with positive and negative details conditions of the organ. The diviner would add up the positives and negatives to come to a conclusion. Basically weighing if there's more positives, it's more likely to be a yes. If there's more negatives, it's more likely to be a no. There's nuances in there. 
if confirmation was needed, another animal would be sacrificed to see if the results could be repeated. So it's basically saying, okay, sun god or whatever god is talking to me, if this is what you say here, let's double check and make sure because you can't exactly sacrifice the same animal twice and do it again. (laughs) I don't say. I would be a spiteful god and be like, I already gave you your answer and now you're sacrificing another one? I'm silent. Mm -mm. Well, you would probably be the type of god that would not take prefer animal sacrifices. Oh, god, no. No. I just played footsie with Rebecca. This is a huge table. How did that happen? <laughs> I would be the god that's like, here's a spider. Whoop. Grab a microscope and check out his little liver piece thing. Look what I did. <laughs> so one note of interest regarding the Barutu is it addressed theoretical predictions, taking into account possible mutations and what effect they would have on the overall reading. So these are things people have never seen before, but they sort of like thought ahead, like, what if this is a little more gloopier than before? What does that mean? <laughs> gloopier. How else do you explain a liver? Oh, uh, it has more bile. It's more yellow. It's larger. It's smaller. I like hers. <laughs> There's gloopier. a lot way to describe. There's a, a lot way. There's bile and Stones. liver. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's technically bile, but there's fluid. Well, there, I mean, that is technically true. Modern day versions of this practice, even though there are people who still practice it with animals, they can be practiced, as far as I can tell, with an egg, a cup, and sometimes water. So there's a lot of fasting beforehand. There is incantations as you crack and put the egg in the cup and basically read the egg in the cup. This got really, really weird and it made me uncomfortable. So I just kind of stopped and started cleansing my apartment. Do you know if it needs to be a fertilized egg? I don't because it it was one of those like slightly sketchy web pages, Mm -hmm. which is like the best place to get information about, you know, witchcraft, metaphysical divination things Mm -hmm. but then it started diving into like incantations and what you should say beforehand what you should say should say after and i'm like i don't know enough about this to even know if i should be looking at these words so i'm just gonna skim it and then give a summary i've Uh, seen something i think it was for fertility in a um witchy group that i'm in online and there's a group of women doing something with eggs <laughs> i can't it was like a live video and i didn't watch the whole thing but gotcha. they were like cracking them into a clear cup and then like holding them over something and interesting so, Ooh. i wonder if that's similar to this hmm. so up next when you think of divination did we hold on did we ever find out about spicy meatballs? extra spicy so it's like two different words that explain the same thing okay because oh, okay. there is some that like look specifically at the sheep look specifically at different animals look specifically at the liver so gotcha. depending on which one you looked at or just like different titles which, yeah which okay. type, not religion which culture define the name got it so when you think of stereotypical divination tool what do you think of crystal the rods ye- oh i was thinking divining rods Ah. Tiffany was correct. Crystal. So scrying has a deep history that has been around a while. That's about as exact as I could be with that one. Okay. There are many different types of scrying, some of which will be covered in a moment. But the TLDR version is you stare at things and either see images in the thing or in your third eye. Okay. Seeing stuff in the thing isn't haven't we discussed that before in the hotel fire where like you see images your brain kind of makes images out of what you're seeing we'll talk about fire later oh fancy 
So one item for scrying that has been stereotyped pretty hard is the crystal ball. Unlike crystal points or other more naturally forming crystal shapes, a crystal ball is considered to be the perfect shape, aka a sphere, which allows it to radiate energy evenly in all directions, whereas points direct the energy. Oh. So one thing I found that was really interesting is if you want to like emit a certain energy into the, a room, you would take a crystal ball and with you to like a meeting to set the tone for the meeting since it's emitting the energy that you want. It will I'm definitely set a tone. <laughs> I'm doing that at my next presentation like sets down laptop sets down stand and then gets out my crystal ball and i'm like all right i'm ready now to present they're just like ashley what are you Shh, it's Shh. calming uh-huh. it's fine just this breathe. is my service ball <laughs> <laughs> wow okay matt said i can't take my service ball to work because <laughs> they're attached mm-hmm. okay <laughs> Like all other divination tools, you need to use what works for you. The most iconic is the clear crystal ball, which usually isn't made from natural crystals. So be wary if you go crystal shopping. If it's clear crystal, it's probably glass or like Swarovski crystal. But if you want something that's like natural quartz, you have to do a little more research because it's not going to be perfectly clear. Oh, it's kind of like uh, the opalite I have. I was all mm-hmm. excited about. And then Matt pointed out that it was glass and not a, a crystal. And I got bummed out. But it's, it's not fine. a naturally occurring crystal. It does not mean it doesn't have some sort of vibrations that resonate with you. But as with other crystals, these can come in all sorts of varieties. So if you want a specific, you know, mood or tone, like if you want to open up, I don't know a loving conversation maybe bring in a rose quartz if you want a more clearing or calming conversation you bring in an amethyst crystal crystal ball amethyst i knew this was gonna happen (laughs) amethyst i just i'm how do you get amethyst suedo science that's that's al amethyst is an am don't question me So one reason a natural crystal ball can be preferred is because it has spent thousands of years forming in the earth and gathering the energy and history of its surroundings. That being said, while there's a connection between the scryer and crystal ball, the images come from the scryer's third eye and the crystal ball sort of acts as a conduit. So you're not going to like look into the crystal ball and see. Maybe. I see. It's kind of like both play together. Okay. That's why whenever you see it, they always like take a minute and they breathe and Mm -hmm. they go. It's almost like they're meditating before they do it. Would you like a how to? Yes. Yes. Okay. (gasps) Can we do this? I have instructions. We (gasps) do not have a crystal ball. We'll find one. I want one. I'll see how much they are when I go to the crystal shop on Thursday. Okay. Okay. So first, lighting. It is suggested to let it be dark. Candles are generally preferred and intention can be set by the choice of candle and candle preparation. Example, green is typically the color of wealth and abundance, so a green candle can enhance a reading regarding finances. Two, you should be comfortable and the crystal ball should be at a height that you can comfortably look into the center of the ball. I feel like that's a doy, you know, point, but how many people think about the ergonomics of their desk like think think about how you're sitting and how you feel as you're staring into you know this piece of rock yeah Um, i think about ergonomics all the time so constantly (laughs) it's ever present so (laughs) next you relax and you hold still you stare at the center of the ball you keep staring and you keep your eyes open and you keep staring and you keep your eyes open and as you're staring no blinking no blinking oh Never mind. As you're staring, you'll notice a mist settle around the edges of your vision. It's at this point you'll probably start seeing imagery. So just let the images come. And when they're ready to leave, just let them go. 
Goodbye. So this is like, okay, never mind. This is uh, like your brain coming up with, there's there's a scientific term for that that yep. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. We okay. fall, we cover that later. Okay. <laughs> so, I still want to do it, but. So once you're done, you breathe, you drink some water and record the imagery you see, maybe paying attention to specific images you saw and what their importance were, because not all the images you see are necessarily going to be relevant. Okay. Right. But that's the Cliff Notes version of how to use a crystal ball. All right. Now. Hey, now when I go get my crystal ball tattoo, then I'll be able to talk to the artist and be like, listen up, homie. Make it a little foggy. Make the images appear. Don't blink. Uh, I would not <laughs> tell your tattoo artist not to blink. Oh, my God. Um, I will say, though, even though I feel like you've told me we're about to cover this, the sciencey part of it, even though there's an explanation for why your brain's coming up with these images, I feel like it would be like these specific images it comes up with have meaning to you. So it's not necessarily... So that's a follow-up question. Is that something you're receiving from your third eye or is this something that you've been thinking about all day and is in your subconscious? And is there a difference between you doing a reading and someone else doing a reading for you? I feel like there would be a big difference. Well, yeah. yeah, there is a difference, but like with the results vary. I don't know. There's no like journal papers on this. Isn't there a crystal ball and a tarot reader right by the uh-huh. crystal shop? Oh, by the crystal shop? I don't know. I know there's one um, that I've always wanted to go to that I've driven past hmm. for years. Okay. Put it on the check mark. Up next, we have pyromancy. Ooh. Ooh fire. Fire. This one scares me. This there is the are surprise s- Rebecca hasn't gotten into. Oh, my God. There are so many articles about dark souls when I wanted to just tell the freaking future. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about the video game. I want to know how to use it and, like, not uh, enhance my skill level type way. I thought you meant, like, dark souls, like, allowing dark no, souls to No, the video game. It's okay. I thought the same thing Ashley was thinking. I was like, well, damn, Rebecca. But this works sort of the same way Crystal Ball does. The yeah. user stares at the flames and or coals intently until images are seen. Specific types of wood that are preferred by the diviner can vary. And the practitioner can use dried herbs also. Sort of like whatever your preference is. That's as much as I got about pyromancy without okay. learning about a video game I did not care about. <laughs> I will say with pyromancy, we covered candle, kind of candle magic, but we played with candles for a month for Patreon. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that put me the most on, or like uneasy, yeah. made me the most uneasy. Yeah, there's so. a lot that goes into, into it because you do the pyromancy. There's a, as also a term for watching the wax strips down the side of the candle. There's a whole nother world world out there. And I had to narrow this down a lot. Yeah, looking at the flames was um a, a little too intense for me. Mm-hmm. I got the heebies real bad. So up next, we have tassiography. Tassiography. How those booby tassels swing. Oh my God. Yes. Let's get into this one. Tassel. Is that like hairography, but tassilography? It's tea leaves. Oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Which we should be more excited about. I know. Given our history. Oh God. Um, I just. So how do you how do you do it? A pinch of tea leaves is placed inside a teacup over which boiling water is poured. The sitter or the person whose fortune is being told will drink the tea until there is a small amount of liquid left in the bottom of the cup. I read somewhere that if you're a beginner, black loose leaf tea is easier to use. Not sure why. Maybe it's heavier and settles probably or something. 
as the sitter drinks, the tea leaves will like stick to the side of the glass. And where they are, it's sort of like palm reading where those tea leaves are and how those are shaped. That's how you get your reading. It's so, like um, when Professor Trelawney saw the wolf. Yes. Mm-hmm. What would be a point of direction in the tea- on the teacup? The handle. The handle. The handle is south. Okay. okay. Uh, d- directly across from that is north. The closer the leaves are to the handle, which represents a sitter, those influence are within the immediate surroundings of the sitter. Okay. So it's the ones most directly affecting them. Whereas a symbol seen across the cup would be interpreted as outside influences. Okay. And on top of that, the cup is divided into three areas, the rim, middle, and the bottom, with the rim representing the present and the bottom representing the distant future, and the middle just sort of being like middle future. Okay. Um, the person reading tea leaves can look for symbols such as an anchor, which would show or indicate love on the horizon. But if it's blurry, it can mean the opposite. So like Ooh. in tarot, if it's facing upward, it means one thing. But if it's a reverse reading, it's the opposite. So the more defined the shape is, the more concrete it is to mean the positive or the thing it's supposed to mean. But the more furry it is, the more it's supposed to mean the opposite. opposite. So care must be taken into interpreting patterns next to symbols. For example, if a letter is formed like the letter T mm-hmm. for tea leaves uh-huh. <laughs> next to this next to a symbol, the interpretation could be that a person whose name starts with a T could have a positive impact on your life soon. Yes, I can. Thank you for asking. <laughs> it was like eleven o'clock at night and I didn't want to pick a different letter. <laughs> You are always on her mind. So tea leaf reading is open a lot to interpretations because you not only have symbols and location in the cup, but you also have like, you know, dotted tea leaves over here and thick rivers of tea leaves and thin scatterings of tea leaves. And how do those relate to the symbols that are over here? Does it affect the one that's over there? Again, it's a practice. The more you do it, the more you learn, the better you get and kind of like get your groove going. What about the tea leaves that get stuck in your teeth from not filtering your tea? I would consider those an immediate problem. (laughs) (laughs) You are about to have a snack. So the reader has to take into account where the tea leaves are in the cup and what their own intuition is telling them. So it's not fun if you're just reading the straight symbols. Yeah, it's not like you can just go to it. Like with palmistry, Mm -hmm. I thought there would be a lot more intuition to it. And it's no, it's very like pretty direct. Yeah. This is this. But with tea leaves, it's all like, "Eh, how do you feel when you look at this? That could be a fish. Do you think it's a fish? Because I think it's a fish. Or maybe I just want sushi. I don't know. I don't know. Are you guys ready for the science? Yes. Reading tea leaves? Of divination. Divination. Okay. That involves staring into things until images occur. Yes. Have you ever late at night gone into the bathroom and stare at your reflection? Uh, Late Mm. at night? Early in the day? So it has to be a dark room. So you go in and you stare at your reflection. You blink as little as possible. No, I avoid mirrors when it's dark. <laughs> yeah. That just scares me. After about 10 minutes, you some say 10 minutes, might be sooner, might be longer. Um, at staring at your reflection, you might see your face morph. Uh-huh. You might see flickers behind you and maybe even monsters. Yep. I'm scary shit the monsters behind my reflection congrats you've experienced the troxler effect the tr- who is troxler i don't know but we're talking about this effect <laughs> so a better way of describing the troxler effect is sensory fading ever have something fall on your arm and then forget it's there until your move uh-huh. ta-da troxler effect Yes. Ever had something fall on your arm and you forget it's there until you move? Like but, if you have, uh, I don't know, like a piece of hair falls on your arm and you're like, ooh. 
like that's cool and then you like forget about it and then you go to move and it falls off and you're like what the hell is that no generally if something falls on me i remove it well, have you ever been like floating special? in water and like not kicking your legs and then it feels like you're in a solid until you start kicking your legs again no i generally don't go motionless in the water because i'm scared of fish you're no you you're not helpful today <laughs> you should you've never been in an open form of water with me when something touches my foot i've been with you when something unexpected you t- touches you at all yeah it's not good. no it's not <laughs> but yes i i know what you're talking about basically your neur- neurons get tired of telling you things because information isn't changing uh-huh like it's not changing why do i have to keep telling you this so sometimes the neurons will stop firing until the input changes or the neurons can start sending mixed messages. The okay. neurons are a sassy mom. And it's like, okay, fine. You're not going to do this. I'm going to play over here for now. Yeah. I'm sorry. Is your face drooping? That sucks. <laughs> can we go somewhere else? <laughs> can we do something else now? Does this psychological effect explain why scrying works? I feel like it could, but I also feel like what we said earlier the images you see play a more prominent role than like the fact that you're seeing stuff like your brain is like all right you're not paying attention so we're gonna go do something else and then all of a sudden you're like oh why is there a wolf behind me well bitch what does the wolf represent why didn't you see a little puppy fair that's a good point yeah thanks i'm full of those occasionally (laughs) i'm full of those occasionally okay Um, I think it could possibly explain how we're able, like Tiffany said, how we're able to see things. I don't think it necessarily describes why or what we see. See, and like, that's the thing, like how much of it is psychological and how much of it is you actually receiving information? I think there's a big psychological factor in the beginning but if it's something that you really focus in on and you really practice with then eventually i think you can get to a point where you can kind of tune out your thoughts that could influence the visions that come to you so especially when you do it for other people like you've got to be able to pick up on something from that person that affects your sight and what you see because yeah if not it would just be your vision constantly over and over yeah but like why have the past five clients all had burritos dancing behind them. Oh, because I missed lunch today. <laughs> so that's what you do in meetings. Yes. Excuse me, boss. There is a giant burrito dancing behind you. <laughs> I, it is past 11 o'clock on the dot. So my belly is yelling at me. We got to go. It's time to have lunch now. So that's my quick and dirty about different forms of divination. Oh, fun. I like it. Quick and dirty. Yeah, yep. I... I feel like the psychology behind that is the most interesting part to me because, like you said, you see things. Your brain just kind of is like, okay, we're bored. Time to distract. Mm -hmm. But uh, that is also the reason I won't look in a mirror when it's dark. I avoid windows that I can see my reflection in and mirrors or anything where I'm like, I'm going to walk by that picture frame and see a reflection of some dude behind me and I'm going to lose my ish because I'm home alone. (laughs) Just turn around. (laughs) No, I just don't look. (laughs) Or just turn around and be like, nope, no one's behind me. I can look in that reflection. No, that'll scare me even more if I see a reflection of something that isn't behind me. Then you're fine if it's not actually behind you. No, because that means it's a ghosty ghost and I'm not down for that. You're so dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) Ma'am. But yes. Uh, So yeah, I, I appreciate that. Now we know why things do what they do. Sort of. Rebecca seems very skeptical. These things fascinate me because like they obviously work to some degree, but like how do they work? 
Is it purely psychological? Do you have some sort of conduit into another dimension that allows you to do this? You have to have a gift. I will say. Yes. Crystal balls are expensive. Gifts would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) 1,000%. No, I feel like there's a science reason behind all of it, which is fine. But there are definitely people who are able to pick up on this stuff Mm -hmm. easier and I am skeptical of mysticism, but I'm also, like, I, I do believe it. I do believe in it. I'm just skeptical of most people who say they are oh, yeah. mystics. You definitely have to validate. But the people who can, like, actually get in tune with this, like, science be damned. They are, <laughs> they're scary. <laughs> they're scary. That's uh, pretty cool. That was awesome. Yes. Thank you, Rebecca. Yay. <laughs> uh, cool beans, man. All righty. Well, on that note, remember, friends, everyone has something that they find odd. Let us tell you why it's not. If you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you can share them with us on any of our social medias. And if you have a certain type of scrying, pendulums, crystal balls, what have you, that you would like to share, maybe not the higher spicy. Or the extra spicy. (laughs) I mean, maybe not pictures. but Share them with us. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook my co-hosts are needy bitches please interact yes um links can be found on our website theladiesestrange.com to all the social medias or you can email any of your questions or comments to us at theladiesestrange at gmail.com don't forget to subscribe rate and review and if you think we're doing a great job and want to support the show you can find us at patreon.com slash theladiesofstrange keep it strange lovelies Bye 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 Go research your divination practice of your choosing. And don't look at your reflection in your co-host glasses. Spooky. Spooky.